Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Progressive Field in Cleveland. It's the Cleveland Guardians 10, the Boston Red Sox 3. I'm Davey Barris, a lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy, watching baseball being played. And man, there was something in the air tonight at Progressive Field. This is the Jose Ramirez tribute episode. This was Jose's night. Three home runs in the game. A solo home run in the first inning, a two-run home run in the third inning, and then a solo home run to kick off one of the most ridiculous innings you will ever witness in baseball. Uh, As Corey Kluber gives up, I believe it was eight consecutive hits in the sixth inning to this Cleveland Guardians offense that just absolutely was rolling. And man, when your number three hitter, when your star of the team is putting up three home runs, is putting up that kind of positive vibes, uh, yeah, it's really easy for the rest of the offense to get going. Every single member of the offense contributed a hit in this game. So let's get into it. Let's get into the storylines of the game. Let's get into your emails. We'll do the whole thing. I love some quick emails up top. Uh, Tony said, Jose hit a third home run. Absurd. <laughs> I love Tony's emails. They're succinct to the point. Uh, Jeffrey uh, emailed in. He said, Davey, the Sox should stop pitching to Jose. Throw him junk or just put him on. However, it's nice to have Naylor hitting well behind him, so that does change the dynamic. Either way, I love to see it. Jeff in Columbus. Uh, you know, Jeff, I... I was worried in his last at-bat that they weren't going to pitch to him because uh, he gets up one more time in the eighth inning, uh, and there was a base open at first. But I was like, no, nah, it's it's a. it was pretty clearly going to be Cleveland's night. Like, if the Red Sox were making that game competitive, maybe they don't pitch to him. But when you're getting your butts kicked, uh, you just you just throw to the guy. Let him, let him go for a record, you know, stuff like that. Um, so I was glad they kept pitching to him. And uh, Marlon emailed in, uh, this game might have been the most complete game Cleveland has played all year. The pitching, hitting, and defense was terrific. Davey, you mentioned the importance of hitting home runs. Instead of stringing together multiple hits to score runs, J-Ram took care of this tonight with his three home run performance. Coming in tonight's game, Jose had only hit six homers all season. Yeah, and even for Jose, this has been a low power kind of season. Um, but you're right. Yeah, so I did talk about that, right? We did talk about that. Now, they were solo home runs, so uh, they don't move the win probability line that much. But my God, just from that opening shot, uh, it just self- set a jolt through this team. And it lets you know this was kind of going to be a different kind of night, right? It kind of woke everybody up. It uh, woke me up. I was dragging through the day, and it definitely woke me up in the first inning, and I was ready to roll with this team uh, from that moment on. So not only can a home run, you know, yesterday we talked about how a home run can finish off and a rally can, you know, finish off a team who's making mistakes, errors, walks, letting guys on base. Uh, the home run can be powerful and one in the first inning like this which by the way Jose Ramirez is your franchise leader in first inning home runs I believe Bally Sports threw the broadcast team through that stat up on the screen at some point during the game uh he had a large margin over I believe Jim Tomey was second in franchise history in that um 
Yeah, but a first inning home run, it does. It sends a jolt. It wakes the team up. So, uh, you know, the Red Sox pitching right now is it's going to tank their season. That's what it's going to do. I mean, it's really bad. And uh, we did take a little advantage of that. We we, <laughs> we take advantage of poor Corey Kluber um, and pound him in the uh, sixth inning. But, uh, yeah, I give all the credit to Jose Ramirez. And he did it on the three different pitches in three different locations. They weren't necessarily all right down the middle. Um, so, actually, let's jump over to that. I had it pulled up on the Illustrator. Let's look at the location of the three home runs. The one he hits in the first inning is an inside fastball. Now, remember, he hits these first two home runs right-handed. Now, this season it's actually going okay for him right-handed. Versus left-handed pitching, he now has four home runs. Versus right-handed pitching, he has five home runs. So pretty even, way more uh, more doubles, uh, has two triples against as a left-handed batter. Uh, none as a right-handed batter. So he's slugging 500 as a left-handed batter. As a right-handed batter, he's he's only hitting 176. The average is low, but he's slugging a respectable 419 as a right-handed batter. And, you know, looking at his career numbers, you know, we've always heard he's, he's kind of a better left-handed batter than he is a right-handed batter. But he's had way, way, way more opportunities to hit as a lefter, which you would expect, right? The lefties, they're way more right-handed pitchers in the league than left-handed pitchers. So he's had more than double the plate appearances as a left-handed batter. Um, so he's, but his batting average for his career, again, it's probably it's baseball reference, so probably not updated with you know tonight's game or last night's game. If you're listening to this in the morning, you know I've started recording these things at like midnight. Um, just makes life easier that way. Uh, so he's hitting uh, 278 as both a left-handed and a right-handed batter. If you could believe that, I I was shocked, but it's an identical batting average from both sides of the plate. However, he is slugging more as a as a left-handed batter. He's a 508 left-handed slugging. He's got a 481 right-handed slugging. OPS plus uh, split to the relative to the league. It's a 104. Man, you know, maybe because these are his career numbers. Um, you know, an OPS plus stat like that, and you stretch it out over how many years has Jose been playing this game, I guess maybe everything would regress back towards 100. Uh, he's a 104 OPS plus as a left-handed hitter and a 93 OPS plus as a uh, as a right-handed hitter. Uh, so yeah, so he's clearly done more damage from the left side of the plate than the right side of the plate. But but shows in this game he's no slouch as a right-handed batter. Still someone you have to be very very careful with as an opposing team. Uh, so the first pitch is a four-seam fastball on a full count. He challenges him with a four-seam fastball inside, and he turns on it. 106.3-mile-per-hour uh, exit velocity. Jumping back over to the scoreboard, let's give you the full numbers on the home run. 106.3-mile-per-hour uh, exit velocity, 22-degree launch angle, 392 down in the home run porch in left field. It would have been a home run in 30 out of 30 ballparks. Uh, when he comes up in the third inning, uh, I believe still facing Dermody, uh, who got called up and I believe already got DFA'd. Um, so the journeyman 
continues his journey. Poor guy has bounced all around the world playing baseball. Or maybe not poor guy. Maybe it's been a hell of a ride bouncing all over the world playing baseball. Who knows? Uh, but he's might be looking for another team again. Uh, so he throws them this time the uh, home run in the third inning with Quan on base. It's an outside pitch. It's a sinker out w- over the plate. It's on the outer edge of the plate, outer half of the plate. On a 3-1 count, he's sitting fastball. He gets a sinker, so basically a fastball, and uh, jumps on this thing, hits it 106.5 as well, so 106 mile per hour exit velocity again. Let's get you the launch angle on this one and the distance. It goes uh, 25 degree launch angle, so it does get a little more air on this thing. Hits it 412 feet. This is more left center field. It would have been a home run in 28 out of 30 ballparks. Are you kidding me? Apparently, Chase Field and Coors, it would have stayed in the park, um, if you could believe that, at 412 feet to left center field. So a monster shot there in the third inning, and already the celebration is on. I mean... Two home runs in the game. That's for the Cleveland for the Cleveland Guardians. That is miraculous. That is earth shattering news uh, in this type of season for a guy to hit two home runs. Then, then they bring in Corey Kluber. He gets through the fifth inning, comes up against Jose in the sixth inning, and he jumps on him with a curveball. This time, he hangs him a curveball, kind of right down the middle. Again, this is a left-handed batter now. And he hits it at 102.4, 36-degree launch angle, so gets under it a little more. But 390, still drives it out there. Would have been a home run in 30 out of 30 ballparks. So he absolutely mashes one to right field uh, off of his former teammate, Corey Kluber. And, yeah, it's just, it's awesome. Like, it's just awesome to see a guy who maybe, you know, that's probably not his best season, he'd probably admit, but uh, they were talking after the game. I love the quote from Miles Straw because Andre Knott's pulling everybody over he can and trying to get quotes from, and the one, like, actual nugget of information, you know, everybody's just, you know, giving him praise and stuff like that, but I'm listening for a nugget of information, and Straw says he always goes up with a plan. Every at-bat, he's got a plan up there. And, and that's cool. That's what I like to hear. You know, we we know that Jose Ramirez is one of the most professional hitters in the game. And that's why. Like, that's the lesson you can take away uh, if you're coaching Little League or if you're, you're a youngster and you're trying to learn this game and play this game. Listen to, you know, listen to what Jose Ramirez does here. Every at-bat, he comes up with a plan. Uh, easier said than done. But if you could apply that to your coaching or your little league games, like you're gonna have a lot of success. So, uh, just what a fun, fun night for Jose Ramirez, and not only the offense but the defensive play too. He makes the play going to his right across the uh, third base line, has to throw back across his body, uh, and originally called safe on the field, but we all knew, like you could tell. Right, I think we all could tell. Uh, we were all looking at our TVs like, no, 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 no. You challenged that. He definitely, definitely got the throw there. That has to be probably the most fun play, right, as a third baseman. Going to your right, backhanding it, 
going across the line, throwing back across your body. It takes a tremendous amount of athleticism, a tremendous amount of arm strength to get that throw back across. Uh, you know, Nolan Arenado in uh, St. Louis is one of the absolute best at this. He was constantly, back when I watched SportsCenter and Baseball Tonight and all that, all those shows, he was constantly in the top 10 making web gems uh, with these kind of backhand plays going outside, off the field, you know, falling off the field, falling across the uh, third baseline into foul territory and making that throw back across your body. And, and shout out to Josh Naylor, who did really good mechanics at first base, right? Reads the hop on the ball and actually lunges, actually goes out and gets the ball instead of waiting for it to come to him. And that was the difference between safe and out. His little lunge there, his reaching that glove out, is the little difference between safe and out on that throw. So, like I said, it's a night to celebrate Jose Ramirez, who's given us so much throughout his career and uh, breaks the 200 mark uh, for career home runs. He's climbing up the charts in every offensive category for the Cleveland Guardians. And, uh, yeah, I mean, boy, we hit like this. Uh, it's going to be one heck of a second half of the season for the Cleveland Guardians. So, other things we want to get into offensively. Let's keep talking this sixth inning because poor Corey Kluber. Oh, boy, he just did not have it tonight. He saves the uh, Red Sox bullpen, which has been incredibly taxed. He comes in in the fifth inning. Uh, actually, has no problem with the fifth inning, but boy, Ramirez comes up in the sixth inning, and it just unravels in three and a third innings, and he stays out there, throws 73 pitches for them. Uh, he gives up 11 hits, like we said, eight in a row, seven earned runs, uh, a walk, a strikeout, two home runs. Uh, he actually did strike out Jose Ramirez to end the rally in the sixth inning, um, but then gives up another home run to Will Brennan late in the game, who since hitting the bird has been on an absolute tear. Like I it's it's weird, it's a little morbid frankly, it's a little dark that hitting the bird has been like a good luck thing for him on the season. He does the kind of does the bird flutter with his hands every time he gets a hit back to the dugout. Um you know, it it was a freak accident and you know, as a baseball Baseball players are very superstitious, so whatever's whatever's working for him. If he if he thinks somehow uh, the soul of the bird is hanging around Progressive Field and you know helping him, like this is the sequel to Angels in the Outfield, then go with it, go with it. Whatever you got to do, Will Brennan, to keep this hot streak going, uh, you keep rolling like this. So he has a good night. Two hits on the night for him, including the solo home run, two RBIs. Um, So, yeah, so poor Corey Kluber has to deal with all this. Uh, He is hard hit uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven times on 73 pitches. So, uh, you know, could this be the end for Corey Kluber? it, It might. He's been doing this a long time. He's been doing this since 2011. Uh, How he's 37 years old. Yeah, it's been a long, long career. For Chloe Kluber. Ten seasons. Now, I got to imagine he's getting near the end. And there's there's nothing wrong with that. Like at 37 years old, it's okay to hang him up from Major League Baseball. Um, it's 
I'm looking back over his career. Uh, it, you forget. I hope you don't forget. I hope you don't forget some of these magical seasons he had in Cleveland. Probably starting, he was decent in 2013, uh, but 2014 wins the Cy Young. His first Cy Young award goes 18 and nine on the season with a 2.44 ERA. Uh, had a 2.35 FIP fielding independent pitching. Had a 1.095 WHIP. Throws 235 innings, had 269 strikeouts uh, in that season. The most for his career in a single season. 269 strikeouts. Uh, So he was absolutely dominant in the 2014 season. Kind of came out of nowhere to win the Cy Young that year. Uh, His second one that he wins in 2017, he is even more dominant. Lowers that ERA to 225, the lowest of his career. Another 18-game winner. Uh, What else? Five complete games, including three shutouts in that 2017 season. Uh, Only threw 203 innings, but had 265 strikeouts. So his Ks per nine actually go up. He was at 10.3 Ks per nine his first Cy Young season. Now he's up to 11.7 Ks per nine in that 2017 Cy Young season. It was right in the middle of an all-star run for him where he was an all-star in 2016, 2017, and 2018. Uh, in 2018, he was a 20-game winner, but the ERA was slightly higher. The strikeouts were down. The FIP was a little bit higher. So he finishes third in the Cy Young voting, uh, which in those all-star seasons, he finished third in the Cy Young voting, first in the Cy Young voting, and then third again in the Cy Young voting. So it was a hell of a ride here in Cleveland for Corey Kluber. So I, I would almost be fitting if his career came to an end. Like, honestly, like with as many with as many pitches as he threw tonight uh, to save the bullpen and the Red Sox probably searching for whatever works as far as pitching goes, like it wouldn't be shocking to see them DFA Corey Kluber. And honest to God, it wouldn't be shocking if, if this was his last pitching performance. I hope not. I hope for the guy uh, it's not, but it wouldn't be shocking. Now, what would be fun, because Corey Kluber has been so stoic throughout his career, wouldn't it be fun if he's one of these guys that once he retires, he, like, relaxes, chills out, and, like, suddenly, like, develops this really fun, outgoing personality, you know, becomes a pundit somewhere and starts telling great stories about uh, you know Cleveland's amazing runs through the 20 teen years, uh, I I hope we, I hope we get to know Corey Kluber more. I feel like the facade he keeps up is just like a sportsman thing, right? It's just gamesmanship. It's just you know what he has to do to get himself in the mindset to be a dominant pitcher. And when those days are behind him, hopefully he opens up a little more, relaxes. Uh, you know. Uh, <laughs> Me and my wife have been binging uh, Ted Lasso, right? The great TV show, Ted Lasso. There's a soccer player, a football player on the show, uh, Roy Kent, who is the same way. Same way, right? Just so stoic, so buttoned up. And once his playing career, once he steps away from the pitch in his playing career, starts to loosen up and becomes a very hilarious character throughout the run of the TV show. So maybe Corey Kluber gives us a Roy Kent-esque turn and... uh, Starts to, uh, you know, at least at least I want to hear his stories, right? I, w- I want to hear some more from the guy who's so stoic and so buttoned up uh, throughout the season. He just looks, 
He's so serious on the mound. Even to even at 37 years old, he's so serious on the mound. I'm, right compared to like a Zach Granke who almost it's almost a joke to Zach Granke at this point. Now I know Granke is is his own unique cat, but uh, it's almost a joke to him at this point. Uh, just being out there and having fun and playing the game. But Kluber is still so serious out there on the mound. So let's go into that because it was an amazing rally. And I want to I wanna go through it all here. Uh, let's take a look at uh, you know what the Guardians offense was doing. How they had such an amazing rally uh, in this inning. And again, it kicks off with Jose Ramirez in the solo home run. Works a six-pitch at-bat. Saw a few curveballs early in the at-bat. And Kluber tries to come back to the curveball uh, on a full count. And frankly, I mean, we're talking right down the middle he hangs this thing. And uh, Jose, like we said, jumps on it. So that brings up Josh Naylor. He jumps on a first-pitch changeup that's out over the plate, hits it up the middle. Uh, Kluber can deflect it, but he can't knock it down. 99-mile-per-hour exit velocity. So whatever Josh Naylor was thinking, clearly he got the pitch he was looking for. Because uh, he sh- shoots at 99 miles per hour back up the middle. Josh Bell comes up. Kluber tried to pitch him inside. Uh, he does foul one off the third pitch they at bat. He fouls off a cutter down the right field line. And then uh, eventually gets a sinker on the outside edge of the plate. It's the first time Kluber goes outside on Josh Bell. And Bell was ready for it. I mean, he was down in the count uh, one and two. And uh, he was ready for this outside pitch finally and shoots it down the left field line for a double. Naylor stops at third base, brings up Andres Jimenez, tries to go inside. And you'll see this a lot with the lefties. Kluber was trying to go inside with the cutter. He actually misses in off the plate. But Jimenez is able to fight it over the first base bag uh, into the right field corner or down into right field. I think this is the one where Ref Snyder slipped as the uh, right field grass transitioned to the kind of the warning track dirt along the side of the field. Um, so it looked like Gallagher slips there, um, or Ref Snyder, I'm sorry, slips there uh, at the transition point between the grass and dirt. Uh, so Jimenez is in with a hard slide for a double. Naylor and Bell come in to score. It's not that Andres him or it's not that Corey Kluber was really leaving the one to Jose Ramirez was right down the middle. But Bell does a good job of taking an outside pitch the opposite way. Jimenez does a good job of taking an inside pitch and pulling it down the line. Not many balls he was missing necessarily down the middle. Miles Straw here. Here's another good example of really good hitting more than it was Kluber's fault for bad pitching. Uh, after jumping out to an early lead on two called strikes on balls that were frankly right on the edges, but he gets the called strikes. Uh, Straw battles back, works it back to a 2-2 count. It's a seven-pitch at bat, and he gets an inside sinker. An inside sinker, and he, I want to say, fights it off. Uh, He inside-outs his swing a little bit, hits it 95.6-mile-per-hour exit velocity, so it is a hard-hit ball for Miles Straw, and he drives it just over the reach of Duran in center field and right center field, and it goes for a triple with his speed. And uh, Jimenez obviously comes in to score. So it's a good piece of hitting from Straw, taking an inside pitch and driving it out to right center field. Uh, Will Brennan would come up after that. Again, another lefty, another attempt at throwing inside cutters, and he would turn on this one. 
hits one really hard, 105.2 miles per hour into right field. Straw scores. Brennan tried to turn it. Uh, it, it one hopped the wall out there in right field. He tried to turn it into a double, but a good throw by Ref Snyder actually nails him at second base. You'd think the rally would be done there. That's the first out of the inning, by the way. But nope, Cam Gallagher got a hanging curveball, and he bloops it into center field. Uh, you don't got to hit it hard sometimes. You just got to hit it into the right spot on the first pitch. Uh, Quan gets a uh, cutter as well. Another left-handed batter getting a cutter. And this one was just up, out, over the plate. And what is Quan going to do with a pitch that's up and out and over the plate? Exactly what exactly what your kids should be doing. Shooting it in the left field. Perfect hitting from Stephen Kwan right here. I think that really was the lesson. That's really the storyline of this rally. It was perfect approaches at the plate from the Cleveland Guardians batters one after another. Whether it was Bell going the opposite way with an outside pitch. The lefties pulling these inside cutters. This is a cutter that's out over the plate. And uh, Quan can sit back on it and drive it in the left field. Unfortunately, that's where the rally would end. Rosario would fly out to center field. And then Ramirez, uh, he gets him, uh, gets ahead of him and finally drops a curveball uh, down at his feet. Or changeup, I'm sorry. Drops a changeup down at his feet. And he swings over it for strike three. So that's how the inning mercifully comes to an end for Corey Kluber. But what a rally it was. Aaron Savali pitched fine. I don't even think we need to go into detail on Aaron Savali. This night was not about him. He goes five and two-thirds, only gives up four hits. He's only hard hit five times. Uh, Does give up two earned runs, two walks, three strikeouts. He does give up a solo home run to Cassis. But it was a fine night for Savali. A lot more called strikes. Didn't have so much of the swing and miss in this one. But stayed effective with called strikes. And... uh, Induced weak contact on his main pitches. Uh, Karinchek comes up and cleans up the six for him. De Los Santos, I'm glad they got him in a game. Uh, he does give up a walk and a hit, but does have two strikeouts. So he needed a little bit of a bounce back appearance, and he needed a little bit of a uh, a lower leverage appearance to kind of get back on track. And then Curry finishes off the last two innings. So, uh, yeah. One hell of a rally. Absolutely fantastic. MVP on the day. Take a guess who we're going with here. Mr. Home Run Pitch himself. Uh, you know, they were they were joking after the game in the postgame interview. Uh, you know, Andre Knott and Jose Ramirez, they got their bit that they do. Uh, Andre Knott asked him, what pitch was it? And he goes, home run pitch, bro. And he goes, no, 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 but what pitch was it all three times? And he goes, home run pitch, home run pitch, home run pitch. Whew, that feels like it needs to be a t-shirt, doesn't it? We should all be rocking home run pitch t-shirts for Jose Ramirez. Um, just an absolute, absolute monster night. And I'm sure it's a, a subtle reward for him. But MVP on the night goes to Jose Ramirez. You know, I realized yesterday, I, I listened to the episode back, and I realized I gave Naylor MVP on the day, even with that error that he made, even with that ridiculous error of dropping the ball. Uh, I kind of forgot about that when I was naming MVP on the day. But still, what he contributed offensively uh, was enough to win the game, right, for the Guardians. So, Jose Ramirez taking home MVP on the day for this one. All right. uh, That is all my thoughts. Uh, Marlon did have a few more things in his email. You know he always writes uh, a lot of detail for us. 
Uh, he actually said, sorry for the length of the email. Thanks for all you do for us Guardians fans. Um, so I appreciate that, Marlon. Uh, he didn't notice. Uh, oh, he talked a little bit about Corey Kluber. Um, I can't help but feeling he's bound to be DFA'd in the near future. Honestly, it looks like the end of the road for Kluber. But if it is, I want to thank him for the great memories over the years. As Cleveland fans will always remember his dominant performances, the two Cy Young Award wins, and the great run to the World Series in 2016. Yeah, we didn't even talk about his postseason stuff. Um, you're absolutely right. Like, Corey Kluber, I I don't know. I don't know if Corey Kluber has a shot at the uh, Baseball Hall of Fame. See for his career here. 13. I'm sorry, did I say 10 seasons? He had 10 years of service time. Uh, it's a 13 year career, though. Uh, he's got 116 wins, a career 339 ERA, uh, 1,700 strikeouts. Uh, I mean, it's good numbers. I don't know how these look compared to the rest of the Hall of Famers. Uh, the two Cy Youngs will definitely help. Um, uh, I don't know if Corey Kluber is, you know, destined for the Baseball Hall of Fame for Cooperstown. But absolutely, first ballot Cleveland Hall of Fame, absolutely. As soon as he retires, uh, we got to bring him back to Cleveland and celebrate him. Because Corey Kluber is uh, one of the greatest Cleveland pitchers of my lifetime. Absolutely up there with Sabathia and Bartolo Colon. And I'm throwing Charlie Nagy in there, too. Uh, Kluber might be, might be the best pitcher in my lifetime, right? I mean, Sabathia had great years in other places. He kind of was just coming into his own, right? Uh, you know, towards the end of his arbitration years before we dealt him to Milwaukee. Same thing with Bartolo Colon. Like he had good seasons here, but then we trade him for that huge package to the Expos. Uh, Nagy, it was longevity. Uh, he, Nagy was like that great number two starter for so many years. Uh, I don't know if his numbers, uh, or his talent, frankly, reaches the levels that Corey Kluber reached. Like he was so dominant with the strikeouts. We all remember the 18 strikeout game, uh, from Kluber against St. Louis. He was just such a, and it was a time period where the Cleveland pitching staff was just pushing each other, right? Kluber and Bauer and Carrasco and then Clevenger, they were absolutely pushing each other to get more strikeouts, more strikeouts. Um, so, yeah, so I just, I, I don't think anyone compares uh, and was as dominant for the length of their run in Cleveland as Kluber was. And, yeah, we traded him at the right time. Like, he had, he had a decent season in 2022 for Tampa Bay, but he really hasn't done anything since leaving Cleveland. So you got to give credit to the front office of getting out at the right time uh, on Corey Kluber. I know it it sucks to think transactionally like that. They're they're human beings, but uh, we really did uh, uh, make that trade and get Emmanuel Clase, get the most dominant closer in the American League uh, at the perfect moment for Corey Kluber. So. That I I felt like uh, Kluber coming to this game. This it was definitely worth talking about him. As much as this is Jose's night, it was definitely worried uh, worth talking about Corey Kluber. Uh, Marlon was also keeping track of the American League Central. Cleveland picked up a game on the Twins, 
who were swept by the Rays. They also picked up a game on the Tigers and a half game on the White Sox, who split their doubleheader with the Yankees. So Cleveland made some moves, winning series. Just win the series, and that's what they did against Boston. He said, I'm looking forward to seeing how the team plays against Houston. Although they went 3-4 and four against them last year, they were very competitive against the Astros a year ago. I'm curious to the status of Jordan Alvarez for this weekend's series. He left tonight's game early with right oblique discomfort. That's not good. Makes it pretty hard to swing the baseball bat. Hopefully the Guardians take two out of three. Houston has the advantage tomorrow with Christian Javier pitching against Logan Allen. I don't know. I don't. I, these rookies for Cleveland, man, I don't know if anybody wants to face them right now. Allen, Allen is locked in with, those, with that whiff, with that strikeout pitch. Uh, he is locked in getting those strikeouts that Corey Kluber used to get for us. He said, I expect Houston to win. Oh, he expects Houston to win 3-1 to one tomorrow. That's his prediction. However, Cleveland won a favorable matchups in the last two games with J.P. France going against Dr. Stakes, Tristan McKenzie, uh, and Brandon Bieliak going against Shane Bieber. Frankly, uh, Marlon, you've done more research on the Houston Astros than I have. I haven't looked ahead to them. And Houston, a team, I know they've been so dominant in the American League and always, you know, in the playoffs and winning World Series. And I just, there's been so much turnover in that franchise over the last year or two that, frankly, I don't feel like I know them that well. So you're you're throwing up names that I, I'm not even ready to deal with yet. So uh, we'll see, Marlon. We will all learn together what the Houston Astros got as they come to town to face the Guardians. So thank you for the email, everybody. And remember... Uh, we're going to be taking uh, tomorrow off. There will be no Saturday morning episode. We're going to do a doubleheader episode on Sunday morning, and we're going to clean out the inbox. We're going to go through all your old emails, clean out that what, what fell, unfortunately, into the spam folder, uh, and we'll just run through it and see you know how your old comments hold up. It'll be kind of fun. So that's all my thoughts. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. Again, the final from Progressive Field. Again, one of the best Guardians games of the season. Your Guardians 10, the Red Sox 3. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at ClevelandBaseballMornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game, and we'll discuss them on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Spotify. If you go to the link in the show notes, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play it back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning.